everyone, and welcome back to the Strike and Ellicott Files, an unofficial podcast dedicated to all things Cormoran Strike and Robin Ellicott, as written by Robert Galbraith. My name is Kenz. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Pools. And today we'll be continuing our reread of The Ink Black Heart, this time covering chapters 41 through 44 of part three. And in this episode, we have somebody who we've had on before. You know her, you love her. It's Paula from Strike Fans. Hi, Hi Paula. Yay. Thanks Hi, Paula. for having me back. <laughs> Thank you for coming to join yeah, it's us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. But before we go over this set of chapters, should we talk about Joe's new Twitter header first? Obviously, yes. Yeah, let's talk about it. Lindsay, tell us about the picture that Joe put up as her Twitter header. So she updated her Twitter header the other day, and it's this road with all these trees around. We don't have to debate this time whether it's for the running grave or book eight, because Bill found this picture, and it's a road called Lion's Mouth. It's funny because... I was also trying to find this location. I did a reverse Google image search. I couldn't find it. But we were using the Google Maps to go between the Cromer Pier and the St. John the Baptist Church. And I was following along in Google, you know, like a crazy obsessive person. (laughs) And I see this street called Lion's Mouth. And I thought, that's an interesting name. Let me just keep going, though. I don't want to get distracted. And then (laughs) Bill sends a message. He's like, I found it. It's Lion's (laughs) Mouth. And I was like, Oh, oh damn it! <laughs> he said the exact same thing that he's looking. We were looking at this path, and he's like, "This feels like a strikey name." And he's absolutely right. He googled it, and the picture came up. That's amazing. The exact yes. picture, so she didn't take it herself. Right, it's the exact picture. Man, great detective work. It is. He trusted his intuition on that one, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the third Norfolk location header, and it is on this direct path between these two locations that we already know of. It's a bit of a detour. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to turn down this road. Mm. So I'm wondering what they need to drive down this road for. I mean, my heart hopes that they're just trying to find a private place to park for a little bit. What for? Well, I mean, to park, to park significant <laughs> eyebrow wiggle, <laughs> to uh, to have some alone time, to have yeah, some sure. special conversation with each other. A little cuddle. I don't know. Just a little cuddle. I did think the same thing. Please pull over to make out. I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but I could hope, right? (laughs) Maybe there's something like at the end of the lion's mouth. Well, Mm. there is. Oh, is it a hotel with only one bed? Is it a hotel (laughs) with only one bed? There is a little house for rent. It has three Mm. bedrooms, multiple beds, sorry. But it's called Sexton's Lodge. Okay. There are a couple of bodies of water around this area. Bill found one on the map called Felbrig Pond. And that's about a half a mile from the lodge and Lion's Mouth. But there's actually another smaller one that's totally hidden in the trees in the satellite view on Google. But you can see it when you look at the regular map page. I don't know what that's called, but I'm sure it has a name. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And that is just 350 feet from the lodge. So if the theories about finding a body in the water are true, it could be another possibility that they're taking this road to see a crime scene. I would love that. Ooh. I mean, I'd love that less than the first option, but it's still be <laughs> right. Good. Of course, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they obviously make this detour on this drive from the church to the pier or from the pier to the church. Right. But I have to imagine that the church is the primary reason for the visit. Mm -hmm. And then maybe something happened on this road that they want to check out. I'm just wondering if the pier is going to be a place that they go to eat or maybe stay somewhere. It feels like that's a secondary location to me. Strike likes to see the ocean, right? Yeah, that's true. I heard someone, someone was saying that there's a red lion pub near that uh, pier in Cromer, but that is one of the pubs. So maybe Mm -hmm. lions are going to be 
popping up again. Like maybe that's going to lead all to Rokeby. Although I forget why he's the lion. We said that he was the lion because of his star sign, whichever one has a lion. That's Leo. And his name is Leonard. Yes. There were some connections to that. We couldn't have been more wrong about that last time. Well, this time though. We also went down a (laughs) a rabbit hole with Wombwell too, and that ended up not really... I don't suppose there's any chance they're just going to go elope at the church while they're in Norfolk. <laughs> if we're looking for a reason for Shrike and Robin to visit a church, that's on the top of my list. <laughs> <Yeah. Yep. laughs> Always. There's also a couple of war memorials at this church. So there's one oh. inside on the organ and then there's one outside. And I thought that could be interesting. It could lead us to some military backstory. Please. Ooh, yeah. Maybe we could find yeah. out how he got his medal. I wonder if it's something that he's not proud of. It was Creed who said something about you can kill. Creed said something about it that stood out to me. I remember thinking, I wonder if it involved the death of someone. I think it would fit if he's confronting painful things about his past. That could be one thing that could be brought up. Maybe it's just in a way embarrassing to him to get that kind of attention. He hates celebrity of any kind and war heroes are certainly, they're honored as they should be, but maybe he, he doesn't like that. He'd be like, don't give me a medal for doing my job. Exactly. You know, just doing right. job. Everybody does this job. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the church, though, should we talk about the photo that we were sent the other day? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. really cool. It's made its way through Reddit now, so people might know about it. But we were sent a message on Instagram the other day from Freya. And basically, Freya was in Norfolk and went to St. John the Baptist Church and took a look at the guest book. And guess what signature is in there? Oh my God. <laughs> I looked at the photo and I'm like, that looks so much like her <laughs> handwriting looks familiar. It's like real? Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. It looks like she was there on May 18th of last year, 2022. Oh, that's exciting. I love it that she mm, goes yeah. to her locations. Me too. I wonder sometimes if Joe disguises herself to go visit places like Robin does, like with colored contacts and wigs and stuff. She said that she's only done that one time. Ah, she's trying to throw us (laughs) off the scent. I get her. So our friend Means Overmotive on Discord brought an interesting folktale to our attention that might have something to do with the running grave. And it is the Lantern Man, which is a Norfolk version of the Will of the Wisp legends. And the Will of the Wisp is a mysterious light that appears over marshlands and lures people to a watery grave. Or it's on Brave. Or it's in Brave. Yeah, that's such a good movie. I was like, I know that from Brave. (laughs) (laughs) Disney taught me everything. (laughs) So our friend's theory was that this legend could point to a drowning in the running grave. And that perhaps the victim is somehow lured or tricked to a watery death. And the thing here is that the lantern part is what's key because, as we saw, Rowling added a Chinese lantern emoji to that tweet about the running grave, right? So what was it? Like a tombstone, Mm -hmm. water, a lantern? Yeah, a wave. What if the lantern part of that was more important than the Chinese culture part that we thought? I just thought that was really interesting. And I think drowning could be a definite possibility for cause of death the victim or the first victim depending on how many we get oh i know Mm, well multiple victims are always fun right so (laughs) Mm, serial serial killers yeah i love a serial killer (laughs) we all love a serial killer yeah of course (laughs) so when you sent this to me i did go down a bit of a rabbit hole because legends like these are fun right i love Mm. them i'm not disagreeing with the conclusion that a body could be found in water or drowning because i think that that's a definite possibility Mm -hmm. my understanding of the actual truth behind the legend lies with the will-o'-wisp 
thing. Yeah. So it's actually flames. Yeah. It's the swamp gas combusting. Yeah. And so it's, if someone was lost, they would see it from afar and think that they were walking towards a person with a lantern and thinking Mm -hmm. that that was help for them, but then they just get more and more lost and then drown and get caught. So it's more of an accidental death than Mm -hmm. it is something sinister Mm -hmm. is my understanding of the reality. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure how that part would fit. I was also thinking that if the man in this story, Joseph Bexfield, if he was buried at St. John the Baptist Church, I thought that would be a really telling connection and really interesting, but he's not. Oh, okay. I do think that the lanterns might be more connected with the I Ching. Okay. It's definitely a fun one. I don't, I don't know. It is fun. And you know what? All we can do is speculate wildly until the book actually comes out. And then we were all wrong about absolutely everything. (laughs) But it's fun. It is fun. But yeah, I can see the Chinese lantern being in reference to the I Ching and to Chinese mm-hmm. culture. It's just that we already know for sure that that's a thing. But it's super fun to speculate, though, in the meantime. I mean, I I was into this for a couple yeah. hours. Yeah. On- <laughs> I remember that. So I was sending you guys a bunch of stuff. Look what I found. And then I went down this whole other avenue where I was like, well, I wonder if there are any legends or folklore around this church in this area mm-hmm. and i found a pretty dark story about the legend of a ghost that haunts the area oh, yeah. from, around that church you sent that to me that was dark it that was involved dark child mm-hmm. death like, mm-hmm. that was was that the fun. shrieking pits yeah and the shrieking pits are right near there so they are that's something intriguing as well yeah did we talk about that already i can't remember no oh okay so. maybe we should do a shrieking pits thing later <laughs> it sounds sorry like i'm like yeah i ran out of deodorant so <laughs> oh no 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 yeah but yeah i love stuff like that it would be really fun to see if it was incorporated with yeah. with a murder but i don't i don't know we'll see okay do we have anything else about the lanterns i feel like the theme of this episode is just going to be how much we want the running grave. I've noticed it a lot of places in the notes where we're like, of our last three episodes. <laughs> episodes has just it? been... It's the theme of my life right now. What do you mean? Right? <laughs> I feel like Joe updating her Twitter header is in response to all of our desperation on yeah. Twitter. Like every time she tweets literally anything, there's one of us in there. So when are we going to get a date? for a release date. Yeah. That's got to be annoying for her. God. That's why I'm always like, I hope she's you know finds it fun and not these people are driving me crazy i hope so i feel a bit guilty now for tweeting that so when's the next book Mm. oh i feel bad well don't she chose she chose to respond to you she did Mm -hmm. but it's still gotta be annoying (laughs) (laughs) it's like appreciate the first one this one first yeah i I just spent like two years slaving now give me more yeah but before we go to our Q&A, can I give a quick Ink Black Heart TV update that yeah, I saw yes. today? So there was an article posted on Yahoo News about Bronte, and it said Bronte confirmed that it was adapting to Ink Black Heart for BBC. It said production will begin later this year with a premiere set for 2024. Awesome. Oh, man. So that's exciting. Cool. Very Next cool. Next year. Yeah. I'm very excited to see how they're going to adapt uh, a lot of the scenes here. I have no idea how they're going to do it. All right. What Q&A are we doing today? So the Q&A for this episode is about Strike's limitations. Strike discovers his own limitations in this novel. How does he cope with this? I think we see um, more of Strike's vulnerability, really, in this book. 
his physical challenges are becoming greater. He, he really does need to make some changes, but he doesn't in this book with predictably dire consequences. And this world, this sort of online world and the world of social media is not something he's particularly familiar with. He's 40, he will have heard of Twitter, but he won't really, he's not interested in it. So he doesn't fully understand what the appeal is. So it's, for him, it's a very new world. And I think that it's one that Robin's far more familiar with. She's 10 years younger and has interacted with these things a little more than he, than he does. So she has more of a feel for what they're dealing with in the beginning. It makes me laugh because I think Strike definitely hates the fact that this case made him a Twitter expert. I feel like he was happy not knowing anything about Twitter and now he can never unlearn the things he's learned. But it might be a useful skill in future cases because lots oh, yeah. of stuff happens on Twitter. But more on topic, I can't help but read Joe's answer in the light of Strike's insecurities regarding Robin in this book, like whether she could possibly be interested in him with his age, his disability, his habits and all that. So he's dealing with these limitations, not just in regards to the case, but in his in his personal feelings as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It was interesting that she started talking about his limitations with social media with this investigation, because I didn't think that's where the answer was going. I thought it was mostly just going to be on his physical limitations, but it's yeah. so true. And I like that she chose to write it this way, where his physical limitations are at an all time high. And that's coinciding with the limitations he has revolving the case as well. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Yeah. He had a yeah. rough time this book, didn't he? he it, was, did. it was a rough time. And he's about to go through more. I hope he has a better time in the running grave. A little bit better. Oh, yeah. Well, you at know. least we know he's being successful and with smoking and his diet. So that's just so good. I'm so proud so of him. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so, so proud, proud of this, this fictional character. character. <laughs> this book really was about addressing strikes limitations. Is the next book going to be addressing his past? So they've addressed mm. the consequences. Now they're going to go back to like the roots of the some root. of his limitations and expose yeah. them as part of the healing process. Yeah, I love that. That makes sense totally as a trajectory. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I so want to be it. Oh my God. It'll be here before we know it. I know. I, I know. just wish we knew a date so that we could plan our lives around <laughs> mm -hmm. it, you know? Obviously, because that's what I'm doing. Should we go into chapter 41? Yes. So in chapter 41, Robin conducts surveillance on Yasmin while Strike follows Wally and MJ and arranges an interview with Kay and Niven. Okay, so the epigraph. But there comes an idealist lad with a strut and a stare and a smirk. And that's Natural Selection by Constance Naden. Oh, when I read this, you know, I felt like it applied pretty much across the board in this chapter. But <laughs> yeah, almost every yeah. male character mentioned, you know, there's <laughs> Nutley, who's obviously a jackass. Oh, yeah. You know, Wally, MJ, even mm -hmm. MJ, what they do with the interviews of mm. tourists yeah. is so obnoxious. Enemy, of course, Inigo. I mean, everybody. Thurisaz, the white supremacist neo-Nazi. <laughs> all of them. They all have that strut and smirk. They think they know everything, but they know nothing. It's true. I know that Joe doesn't write the epigraphs, but her ability to be snarky and funny with the choice of them <laughs> is yeah. really something that I love because this is really funny to me. I do think that maybe it's mostly Nutley. Because there is a line in here that mentions that he thinks a lot of himself. So that with a strut and a stare and a smirk kind of makes me think of him. Yeah, where he's mm -hmm. talking about how, oh, yeah, I took notes like he was taking I some great notes. initiative. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I totally agree that there are a lot of idealist lads in this chapter. 
Mm-hmm. But this super. one really made me laugh. Yeah, I agree with you both that this one does seem pretty literal and it is mm-hmm. very accurate to Nutley, especially. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that the context of the poem itself adds much, except that the speaker is someone of science and curiosity who seeks the how and the why, to mm-hmm. quote the poem there. And this person seems to resent that natural selection is favoring empty-headed men who are charming and smile and dance. Natural selection here being women choosing these men over him or her, the smart person with all of the fossils and bones or whatever. Sounds like Hugh Jacks now, too. Does sound a bit like Hugh Jacks. I can't see any real connection here with this context, unless it's that Strike is the smart guy who actually does flip it and win out in the end. But... That's a reach even for me. (laughs) So I think it's just a very convenient, sarcastic little jab at these men. I was just thinking that the title, Natural Selection, it's as if it's saying, don't worry, Nutley's going to sort himself out. He'll be gone soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I like that too. It's like, yeah, Nutley will um, take himself out of the gene pool, as it were. So the first time I read the book, I remember feeling frustrated with Strike, Mm -hmm. that he's not taking better care of his leg. I feel like I kind of understand this perspective a little bit more now because it's frustrating that he's not looking after himself, especially knowing that not doing so is going to result in it getting worse and worse. Right. But at the same time, we know that he's right, that Robin and all the subcontractors are thinking the Ross case is all his fault and they do get mad later when he's unable to walk. Mm -hmm. So I kind of understand the pressure he's feeling to just keep going and keep trying I think yeah. he must feel like he can't really win. So I kind of understand this perspective a little bit better than I did the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have so much work. He can't just sit in the office. Mm-hmm. Right? What's yeah. he supposed to do? Yeah. He can't grow a He's new leg. Stuck. Right? <laughs> stuck between a rock and a hard place. It is unfortunate. And then he can't find anyone to hire. So he goes with the guy who crashed his moped into the taxi the last time. Killer. This is the first time we learn his name, though, right? Mm-hmm. Stuart Nutley. Nutley. What a name. I feel a lot of shades of lethal white in this book again. Oh my gosh. I never Mm -hmm. thought we'd see this guy come back. Never. Mm -hmm. I have about seven things in here that I am referencing lethal white. It's going to be a lethal whitey episode. It's so (laughs) interesting. It is. I could not believe that this guy came back. Seriously. Blast from the past. It was such a surprise to me. And I'm, in retrospect, I'm glad because the character's hilarious Mm -hmm. in how inept he is and how angry he makes everyone. So it resulted (laughs) in some really good comedy that she brought him back. It said that Nutley couldn't hold down a civilian investigative job in the past three years. And I'm like, is anyone surprised by that? Is a single person shocked? (laughs) No. How many detective agencies has he gone through? Is he like (laughs) the hot rotten potato that all the detective agencies are (laughs) passing around, basically? (laughs) And no one wants him. But he's just still bouncing around because everyone's desperate. The nickname that spawned out of his name was really, or Barkley was really the best part of that. What did he say? He called him Nutsack. Oh, oh my God, that was a play on his name. Uh There you go. He must have gotten that in school, right? He must have. Uh, Yeah, I'm feeling like it either went one of two ways. You know, with a last name like Nutley for teenage boys, I'm imagining that he's either going to get teased mercilessly or just be an absolute legend. I feel like with his personality, 
the teasing, the nutsack. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> and Barkley would have been the kid who did it. Oh, definitely. Plot twist: Barkley was the bully. Was the and bully? Motley deserved it. This question came up in our Twitter chat once before about what is normal practice for PIs, and mm-hmm. I can say, as having worked for one for three years, that it is totally normal to have subcontractors that you can terminate a contract with at any time. Okay. Oh, Everything that Strike does with his business is how it works. I don't know for sure, but I do imagine that one of the reasons for the nature of the business is, you know, when you have legalities and liabilities involved, you need to be able to cut ties with someone if necessary. Mm-hmm. Running your moped into a taxi of the person you're following seems to me like a big liability because if they had been injured, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that could have opened them up to some lawsuits. So I can see why Strike only hired him out of desperation with the intention of only keeping him temporarily. Yeah, I just really feel bad for Strike that he's forced into reviewing, as I quoted in the book, every previous temporary hire he decided against making permanent. You know, so I mean, there's nothing like having to pay for mediocrity at best. I want to know what the other ones did that were worse than nothing. Yeah, we need to know. You know? What did they do? I would love like a montage of him Mm -hmm. firing shitty subcontractors. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that would be so funny. Yeah. What is worse than crashing into your target? I mean, sending your partner, the partner, a dick pic is pretty up there, too. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely not asking Morris back. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, if you're choosing between Morris and Nutley, I'm going to pick Nutley every time. You got to go with Nutley. You got to go with Nutley. (laughs) You know, at least he's a well meaning idiot. There you go. I love the description of Nutley that his resting expression was unattractively self satisfied. (laughs) Here's where that line in the epigraph fits for me really well too yeah he's keen to prove his worth to an agency that had gained greatly in prestige since he'd Mm -hmm. left it it seems like he's thinking that he did no wrong here he (laughs) left because oh yeah the shitty agency fired me they're terrible anyways now it's better he's like oh this time they'll recognize how great I am and and how wrong they were to let me go when I'm a genius and anyone (laughs) can crash a moped he just seems very deluded about the yeah. situation between bless him his and heart <laughs> is what we would say yeah <laughs> bless his heart the exchange with madeline where she wants him to come to the launch or pick her up from the launch is we all know this is gonna blow up oh yeah the sense of impending doom is definitely there he was like already know this is not gonna go well no it's not and i find it frustrating about madeline because we can see that yeah she is not respecting what he said about not wanting to be photographed yeah and it's also weird that she doesn't seem to realize that he doesn't want to see charlotte that mm-hmm. is weird why would she want him anywhere near charlotte is my question know. if i were her i'd keep him the hell away from charlotte i know and regardless even though she's sh- not showing him any consideration whatsoever strike is really trying in this relationship because he listens to her <laughs> patiently as she goes on and on that's got to take a lot of patience <laughs> basically disrespects his wishes yeah Especially when we find out it's the same monologue, the like the yeah. same forty-five minute monologue every time she calls. Oh my god, I would fake my That's own exhausting. death. <laughs> <laughs> it's my solution for a lot of things. Yeah, I think he thinks <laughs> that he's trying. Yeah, and there's this little bit here where it says, "Still in the spirit of giving a proper relationship a chance." Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all know that his heart isn't in it. And we've yeah, talked no. before about how we're curious if Robin dating Murphy will result in some behavior that's similar. But I was thinking, we've already seen this from Robin because she convinces herself in the beginning of Lethal White that she's giving the marriage a real chance. Yes. But she later admits that her heart was never in it. So I think that's another little nice Lethal White parallel there. 
Yeah, it mm, really yeah. is. It's depressing to me that for both of them, giving it a chance just means sort of floating along and not protesting. Just putting up with it is giving yeah. it a chance to them. And I'm like, that's If you so know sad. it's not going to work out, why continue? I don't know why either of them do this. I mean, I know why they both yeah, do it. I guess. But, the distraction know. of it. Please learn your lesson, you two. Yes, both of I you, know. please have learned to stop doing this. At some point, please. I mean, they won't have to give it a shot with each other because they're both right. going to be all in. So we're not going to yeah. see this kind of shit. But right. I don't want it to happen yeah. again with more people. <laughs> please, no. But with Nutley and a couple targets out of town, they're really focusing on the anime case in this chapter. So we've got them all on different suspects. Yes, strike is on Wally Cardew. Mm-hmm. So it mentions Chloe Cardew and how attractive yeah. she is and how both Dev and Barkley go to strike to tell him, please let oh, us follow yeah. her around. <laughs> yeah, But they do it out of hearing of any of the women at the agency, which is smart. Of course. But I was just thinking, can you imagine how gross Morris would have been? Oh no. About oh, Chloe in like the yeah. team meetings in front of everyone. He would have been disgusting about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have even tried to approach her or something. Oh, I, I bet he would have. He'd have been like, hey, I bet I can get to Wally through the sister strike. Mm-hmm. You want me to yeah. try and get to Wally through the sister? Yeah. Oh, I'm I, so I glad he's up. gone. But yeah, like you said, so Strike is watching Wally Cardew. I see here's the cat red herring again because there's a cat in the window. Yes. Although it's an inside cat. And mm-hmm. Anami's tweet, it didn't sound like it was his cat or their cat, no, right? I didn't think so. So either. to me, this wasn't a very good red herring. This is oh, like, oh, there's a cat. But if you think about it, you're like, no, that's not the it cat. Fit. This is trying good to point. like send me off on the wrong path. Wally Cardew mm-hmm. definitely did not do it. That's a good point. So Robin is on Yasmin. It's really funny to me because they say that she's of second tier interest for Anami because she later becomes anime at some points, right? But yeah. they're not really that interested. She's probably the one who has the most information outside of Morehouse. I feel like maybe they should have given her more consideration. She really is. I think Robin just uh, came to the conclusion that she wasn't smart enough to be anime. And so just kind of wrote her off. So in a way, she's underestimated her value to the investigation and her importance to the investigation. Yeah. Not so much her intelligence. I think that was pretty accurately estimated. I'm not giving her credit as, oh, she's a genius and they should have talked to her. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. They missed something here with her. Yeah. Because they just thought, well, she's an idiot. She's not, you know, let's put her on the the C list of suspects. And they missed. Well, they should have learned from Janice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Robin's keeping an eye on Twitter while she's also watching Yasmin's house. And there's a tweet that comes from Anime about Heather Ledwell that says, looking forward to hiring multiple nannies for the kids she keeps littering once the ink black heart cash in starts. First of all, I don't like the line littering out kids. I hate it. It's deeply misogynistic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. It's dehumanizing. And so, of course, Gus is going to take his chance to be horrible like this. Because he's like, oh, I get a chance to be awful about women. Yeah, I'm going to take it. I wonder how this information made its way to Gus. Hmm. Because we know it's true that she wants to hire nannies, right? Because she said so. But how do you think this made its way to Gus? Because it doesn't seem like something Josh would know. He's not in contact with the Ledwells. Yeah, that is weird. It could be just gossip that Katja heard. Yeah, it could be. It could be gossip. It could be just Anami making shit up and happening to be right. 
I don't know either. It is very strange if he got this from somewhere where. There's got to be an answer. Someone come up with a theory for this. Let's jump back to Strike. So he's on the phone with Robin and following Wally and MJ. So he's watching them make this YouTube video and he notices that someone else is following them. And it's clear from the description of the guy that it's going to be from the Havening or the Brotherhood of Ultima Fool. Yeah, the Nazis really have a certain aesthetic that they, they like do. to They do, they got a look. It's convenient. They've got a look. <laughs> Say that for them. They've got a brand. Yep, a brand. They've got a look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just say, I mean, weren't you just totally disgusted by Wally and MJ's interviewing Ugh. they were doing oh, at the foreign tourists yeah. with so the gross. sole purpose of insulting them I mean it's just so yeah. obnoxious I'd love to know what they were saying to these people yeah. but we could probably make a guess as to what kind of stuff it was yeah. something mm-hmm. offensive I think that's pretty much guaranteed <laughs> yeah. yeah so many different ways to be offensive though. <laughs> yeah I know so Strike gets a phone call from Kia Niven. It's clear that she's trying to get out of this interview. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really like when Strike says there's a theory out there that she's enemy and there's no <laughs> need to say that it's his partner's theory. Yeah, Strike's manipulation of her is just amazing. <laughs> I heard it on the grapevine. Yeah. We get to hear his thoughts, you know, how he justifies each element, you know, as he goes I'm here along. for it. Like he first implies by voicemail that Josh would think badly of her if she didn't cooperate with him. (laughs) And then, Mm -hmm. of course, mentioning the theory, which, you know, he doesn't have to mention it's Robin's. And then he has photos, which are screenshots of her tweets in reality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like these scary, non-existent, quote unquote, documents, confidential ones, of course, that he can't email to her. Mm -hmm. It's just hilarious. It is. It's really good. He's good at this detective shit. (laughs) Yeah. But I love just how it's described. Add a bit of extra intrigue because documents mm-hmm. always sounded scary. They do. It sounds like the CIA. They've got the documents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at him for this. She's ridiculous. Oh, no, no. It's hilarious. And she Absolutely. is. Yeah. It's hilarious. He knows she's susceptible to this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you got to use yeah. every tool in your bag. You know, he's doing his job and he's doing it well. And sometimes that means guilting you know, an annoying woman on the phone into an interview. Going back to who's following who, it yeah. kills me to learn that they put Nutley on Gus. Oh my right? God. Of all the yeah. people. I know. <laughs> and this is when Nutley calls Strike to say that Inigo has left the house and is walking mm-hmm. somewhere. I know that Gus is the killer, but I think I would have also sent him on Inigo too. I totally would have too. Yeah. Like that's sus. Yeah. It makes sense. Inigo was, I mean, he was acting suspiciously. He was, you know, obviously trying to have a private conversation, Mm -hmm. which is something totally worth investigating. He obviously didn't want anyone in his home to hear him. I always like when Strike thinks about how he doesn't like hunches or intuitions, but his are usually (laughs) good, aren't they? Right? Maybe he needs to trust his own a little bit more. I thought the same thing. I was like, you know what? For a guy who doesn't like hunches and intuitions, I feel like he acts on his a lot we see him follow his instincts all the time Mm -hmm. maybe you're right Lindsay, and it's just other people's hunches he doesn't trust because other people's hunches are hit but Mm -hmm, his are right but you know that's because his are informed by being an amazing detective and other Mm -hmm. people's are informed by being nutly you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah in hindsight i was thinking reading this oh no go after gus but there's no way you would have ever known that it would have made more sense to go after Inigo because he's acting more suspiciously and also Gus is inside all the time so yeah he just would have been watching the house so there's no point you got to go after whatever lead comes to you yeah at least they learned something from this 
Yeah. yeah. As a random side note, going back to Robin, I love that the place that she's sitting across from Yasmin's house is called the Saucy Sausage. It's such yes. a good name, isn't it? It's an amazing name. <laughs> I looked the menu up. Yeah, With a name like Saucy Sausage, surely their sausage selection is going to be good. Nothing particularly sausage stands out to me, but they do have a lot of good food. The English breakfast offerings looked really good. They're potatoes. I have a thing about the potatoes because they have a whole section entitled jacket potatoes. And I was like, is that what they call baked potatoes? Yeah, yeah it is. Yep. I didn't know that. Because they're wearing their little jacket. They're wearing their jacket. It's adorable. <laughs> it's, than back- it's so cute. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, I love learning about things we say differently because I did not know that one. And that one is adorable. That is Jacket really potato. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway, but that menu looked good. I think I need to start eating more before we record because I'm always hungry. (laughs) There's always a mention of food and I'm always like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, Drake. So Robin has her first conversation with Fiendy One, Rachel Ledwell. It's funny to me that she says there's always jams at Wombwell Tomb and people are getting (laughs) stuck because I just thought of us getting stuck on Wombwell. Oh my mm-hmm. God. There must be puzzles that are actually difficult to solve if people are getting stuck. It is an interesting little signal about the game itself because we don't get mm-hmm. much of that. It is. And it, the puzzles must change because otherwise mm-hmm. people would be able to, there wouldn't be any jams because there's not that many new players right now, right? Yeah. They need to come out with the game. I want to play and hang out in the game. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. We also learned that Fiendy One is a football fan. Which does result in some funny stuff later on with Strike. Yeah, it does. (laughs) And I really liked that that was something Strike had to offer whenever he had to take over his Buffy Paws. He just starts talking about football. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't have to worry about anything else. He's like, yeah, this is great. This is a positive social media experience for him. Like, hey, I could talk about things that I like (laughs) with other people. This is fun. Awesome. (laughs) Who does he talk about football with? Feeny. Maybe Ted. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, in real life. Nick, I'm sure. Polworth. I think he and Nick talk about it a lot. Yeah, but they would be on opposite sides, right? I'm surprised he doesn't talk to Jack about. Oh, I bet he does. And we just don't get to hear about it. I bet Jack is going to support the Arsenal, too. We need to hear about it. His uncle passing on the thing. Mm -hmm. Flag. I don't know if football teams have flags. Whatever they have. My knowledge (laughs) stops at Ted Lasso. So Yeah, mine too. (laughs) Same. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Arsenal is doing so well this season. They are literally like at the top right now. I watched them win the other day because David was watching the game Mm -hmm. and I was like, Strike is so happy right now. My husband just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Arsenal was just playing Leeds. I think I want to say it was this morning. And they mm-hmm. just slaughtered him four to one. Strike must be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hell yeah, because they're just <laughs> slaughtering Spurs too. So he must be just oh. <laughs> so uh, happy. Loading it over Nick. Oh, yeah. I love it. Amazing. Again, we talk about them like they're real, but you know. Are you implying they aren't? <laughs> when JK Rowling was on Pottercast years ago, she was talking about something and then she goes, Forgive me for speaking as if it's all real for a second. And then we're like, well, we do that all the time. And she goes, okay. And she was all excited about it. And so yeah. I like to think that, you know, yeah. she does it too. I think yeah. so too. Because they do. They live inside her head, right? They're real to her. Of course, it's happening right. inside your yeah. head. Why should that mean it's not real? Mm-hmm. But you can tell when Joe writes, she writes her characters so vividly with so much care mm-hmm. and so much detail and so much depth. You can tell that they are real to her in her imagination, which I think makes her writing so good <laughs> because yes. it's the the characters are so 
well-written and so interesting. Oh, yeah. That's why I love this series. And it's hard to find things that compare. It's impossible. Yeah. And then we also get Anami's motto. Oh, yes. Oderant dum metuant. Probably not an accurate accent there because my only Latin comes from Life of Brian. Strike later translates it. Mm -hmm. So it means let them hate so long as they fear. Very appropriate to enemy. Definitely. So I guess this is a clue that he knows Latin, except not really because Google Translate. But it is there because we see Inigo speaking Latin. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why I suspected Inigo so much. The Latin. Mm -hmm. But again, it's something that his son could have picked up, like the music. I took two things out of this conversation, both of them ridiculous. Okay. The first one was that, so when Feeney says Drekisms, uh-huh. I could only read it as Sims, And I was like, I kind of want to make the mods in the Sims now. I want to make like a little <laughs> graveyard house and have all the mods in there and see what kind of Sims nonsense happens. Hasn't JK Rowling said she liked to play the Sims? Did she? I think that's a thing. She mentioned The Sims and Roller Coaster Tycoon. Somebody who remembers, find it for me, I swear. Minesweeper. I remember she's really good at Minesweeper. But <laughs> if she likes to play The Sims and Roller Coaster Tycoon, then we're already best friends because I love playing The Sims and Roller Coaster Tycoon. I've never played tycoon. The Sims, but Roller Coaster Tycoon was my oh, jam. The Sims is so much fun. I love setting up the little dollhouse and then killing them all. Uh-huh. You know, getting oh, weird whoa. romantic whoa. intrigues going on. Oh, yeah. Okay. You drown them, you trap them in basements to starve to death, you set them on fire. All kinds of stuff you can do to your Sims. Wow. This took a dark turn. So my point is, I might spend an afternoon playing the mod channel in the Sims game. Mm -hmm. And if anything funny turns up, I will take photos and make a story out of it. Photos, screenshots. And I'll make a little story of it and I'll put it up on Tumblr or something. I have Harry Potter characters in the Wii. Oh, nice. Like I made them as me's, you know? Yeah. I like when you're playing Wii sports and Voldemort comes up to bat. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, so my second thing was when Fiendy says um, response to Drek forcing her to sit there on a bank holiday and yeah. mod the game. She's like, he threatened to remove mod status. And I'm like, oh no, he's oh, threatening no. you with a good time. That's <laughs> awful. Does mod status really matter that much to anyone? I guess it does. I guess so. They all do it. Putting up with this nonsense is... It's extreme. It could be fear. Let's say that he kicks them out. Who's to say that he's not going to turn on them publicly too? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's scary for a teenage girl, right? It would Mm be. Ties back to his motto. Exactly. I hate him probably, but do fear him. Interesting. So next, Robin sees Yasmin come outside and she gets in the car with this man that Robin doesn't recognize. We know that it's Philip Orbind and that they're meeting because of the book. It's interesting to me that Yasmin is beaming when she meets him. Well, I kind of get this. Tell me. Well, okay. So let's say someone you're a big fan of, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get to meet the person who was with them and Mm. is claiming to know all the stuff that you're a fan of. Okay. And Philip Orman is claiming to know all of the stuff that Edie told him. Okay. I totally get why she's beaming about this. That makes makes more sense to me. Mm -hmm. My only question was like, is he manipulating her? Leading her on in some way? 
because I know she has this whole crush on who she thinks is that actor. Yeah, I don't. But know. if in real person Philip Ormond is buttering her up, giving her attention to try and get something out of her, like what is the extent of their collaboration? Like what's going on here? Well, who needs who more? I think she could argue both ways. Yeah, no one is believing him or listening to his claims of being like so central mm-hmm. to the Ink Black Heart. The agent isn't the production company isn't no so they one... both need each other so they're probably mm. both sucking up to each other yeah that makes sense yeah. to me but i just love the ending of this chapter where she, robin notes orman's license plate has cbs and she's like those are strike's initials robin's just like you <laughs> Lindsay. she sees strike everywhere in everything oh, okay. just like just like you <laughs> and me and all of us yeah. Yeah. i feel like this is robin's version of being in junior high and writing someone's initials all over your paper with oh little hearts <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. that yeah. is precious That's really cute i love how this comes up later after the office is bombed and robin lies and says that she remembered the last initials for the license plate from tv yeah mm-hmm <laughs> I didn't think it was strange, though, that Murphy calls it the American News Channel, because that's not what I associate CBS with. What is CBS? What do you mean? Well, he says it's an American News Channel. It's just a TV network. I mean, I'm watching Survivor and Big Brother and Judge Judy on CBS. I'm not watching the news. Oh, he said it was American News Network. So I'm wondering if they have CBS, but it's American News. Because that sounds terrible. I most with the news. I get American News, too, and it's not great. (laughs) Maybe that's all he watches, because he's so boring. Compared to strike. All he watches is the news. I do like Ken's that you pointed out that she lies later because to me the lie proves that she's noticing these initials for a very embarrassing in love reason. Mm-hmm. It's not embarrassing, Robin. No, it's not. She knows this is because she's stupid in love. She could have said, Oh no, they're strikes initials. It's they're on the door. There's they're no reason she couldn't door. say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for that she yeah. wants to avoid it. Aww. Yeah, she didn't say it because the real reason is that she loves him and sees him mm-hmm. literally everywhere. Oh, no. Okay, ready for 42? Yes. Yes. So in chapter 42, Strike keeps an eye on Wally and gets into a fight with a neo-Nazi. So the epigraph reads, well, he had some right on his side, probably. Men always have who go absurdly wrong. And that is from Aurora Lee by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. I love how resigned to this epigraph feels to me you can hear the sigh of the speaker like men always have (laughs) it just makes me laugh that's what i feel when i read this but anyways strike is doing the right thing here i suppose technically he assaults someone but you know like murphy says we didn't read it but it really does the whole thing kind of goes horribly wrong even though he has right on his side and that must be what the epigraph applies to because i don't believe it could apply to wally or theresa's they've got no amount of right on their side they've gone absurdly wrong without that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah it's another aurora lee chapter and this one feels like a bit of an outlier in the pattern that i've noticed before about which chapters have aurora lee in them yeah i did notice that and i was going to ask you about that because i have no idea what it could mean or if there's any meaning to be found but it definitely doesn't fit i don't either and i'm like why is aurora lee in this chapter and i haven't figured it out yet well it could just be that the epigraph is perfect well yeah probably here's what i like about it i like what you're saying about strike having right on his side because Mm -hmm. it tells me that the way i'm reading this interaction isn't totally off because Mm -hmm. i don't think he's wrong for punching this guy no i mean the man placed himself toe-to-toe with him and was clearly physically threatening him yeah strike isn't physically capable of escaping that situation without taking this guy down a bit so 
the yes. epigraph saying that he had some right feels like a bit of validation for that opinion to me i like that because yeah you're right he is being physically threatened and he can't just escape no he can't he has to be he has to preempt it yeah. and he does he doesn't stay there to like beat the guy up he punches him and gets the hell out so we're back to strike watching wally and mj and the tattooed man who's watching them mm-hmm. this whole thing gave me lethal white vibes again were you thinking about strike following flick and jimmy at the march and bow too exactly that is exactly (sighs) what i'm thinking because his leg is getting worse and worse until he eventually falls Mm. and then has to stay off his leg for like a week oh yeah yeah it really feels like that does sound like we're revisiting that kind of thing deja vu it's interesting I guess if you want to call it that, to see Thurza's approach Wally and make what appears to be an offer. And MJ isn't happy, obviously. I was going to ask how you get so bold to do this right in front of MJ, but I guess yeah. they don't really care about that. No. That was that was my question yeah. too. I was like, so how okay. does recruiting someone to a white supremacist group work? You just walk up to someone and say, hey, you want to come be a neo-Nazi with me? No. But like, how do you lead into that topic? They've done the work with Wally already oh right? yeah they've, they've been laying the foundation there they've been on his youtube yeah but doing it in front of mj is just kind of i shouldn't Gross. be shocked but yeah. yeah who is described as being brown-skinned for anyone who may not remember that i hope that after this book mj finds another best friend because yeah god that's terrible and it also makes me wonder exactly how far back does it go with the neo-nazi bullshit how long has this been has he been slowly been indoctrinated into all of this stuff that's an interesting question i feel like he's the kind of guy wally is the kind of guy who enjoys that attention Mm -hmm. so maybe all the youtube comments and the buttering him up is tempting Mm -hmm. i don't know if this totally applies here because wally is really gross but it does remind me of, of something that jk rowling said on the last witch trials episode Mm-hmm. about being afraid that treating men like they're the worst thing in society is going to push them towards the alt-right especially in young men mm. yeah makes sense i wonder if she explored that in any of these characters the fear of that certainly i think is there with characters like henry or his friend mm-hmm. um, to me at least i mean that's a fear i have for raising a boy mm-hmm. you know? totally the experience of having a good friend and then they get sucked into this thing and become like Mm -hmm. a different person i think a lot of people can relate to that it happens but it's sad to lose a friend this way yeah it is upsetting and you always hope that they'll like come back out of whatever cult they've gotten sucked into but you can't reason with people when this starts to happen they don't listen so you just have to kind of hope that they'll come to the conclusion on their own and even if they do it's done real damage to the friendship when Robin calls, it feels like they have some momentum, doesn't it? Yeah. Enemies in the game, they have eyes on Wally and Tim Ashcroft, the pedophile. But of course, we know that neither of them are enemy. The one person they aren't watching is the right person, oh, right? Yeah. It feels, I know it doesn't matter because Nutley wouldn't have been able to watch Gus when he's inside. But it almost feels like a bit of a clue that the person they're so clearly not worried about and not watching is the right person. Yeah, it really should have registered as a clue mm. to me. I read this and I'm just like, this method of finding enemy seems so frustrating and so slow and so dependent on like getting lucky and ruling people out rather than finding 
the right person that I can understand why they're all exhausted and stressed mm -hmm. having to do this fruitless surveillance that comes up pretty useless for its actual purpose. The use of it is the information they find out about people while they're watching them, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. My, I guess my point is structuring the story like this, having this be their primary option, it's just such a unique and difficult detective story to write. And I just really admire Joe for tackling it because it must have been a challenge to keep this engaging when they're, they're in this like fruitless task. You're right, because it never really does rule anyone out because of the no. Yasmin twist. Yeah, they never get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, mm -hmm. but they do learn a lot while they're doing it. So yeah, they do. They, they learn information that's helpful to them. Their interviews are really helpful to them. It's digging into the people, not yeah. getting lucky. That helps, as always. So Strike has now followed Wally and Thurzaz to this pub. Okay, so I have some fun facts about the I pub. I like fun facts. Okay, so you know how it's described as the ship and shovel being on two sides mm -hmm. of the street? Well, they actually were two separate pubs at one time, but they were joined into one pub in 1998 when they constructed a tunnel underneath Craven Passage. That's fun. And that's where the cellar and oh. the kitchen are. Yeah, so it's really interesting. The pub was a site visited by a recent strike oh, touring yeah. group. And I talked to Bill about it. And he said about the pub itself, quote, it's a small, narrow space along the bar. And I can see why strike mm -hmm. tripped. And the gents is smaller than I imagined, oh. too. And I would just like to give a little shout out to strikefans.com. <laughs> we have photos of the pub there and even shots from within the gents. Yeah. If you're nice. interested. And then I also asked Bill about the Badger mm. beer. I'd never heard of that before. Uh, and he says that it tastes very similar to Doom oh, Bar. So he gave it a thumbs nice. up. You can see why Strike liked it. Definitely. I was thinking that he chose Badger beer as a because... signal to his Hogwarts <laughs> to house. <me. laughs> to you, Lindsay. As a signal that he's the Hufflepuff. That he's yes. the Badger. So he drinks the Badger it. beer. I'll take it. <laughs> I am absolutely here for this because 100% yes. I thought you would be. Yeah. I definitely thought about that, but I was like, don't say it. Don't, don't say, say it. it. Don't sound crazy. Well, I think we're too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> so did you assign yourself Hufflepuff or did you do one of the online tests? No, no, no. Tests? It's, it's in my heart. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> Same with you. Cool. Oh, Slytherin. I'm Slytherin, and yeah. Slytherin is in my heart. Oh, okay. I'm a but I also got Slytherin okay. on Pottermore because Pottermore read my heart, obviously. Yeah. Well, see, I got Gryffindor there, oh. and I, I don't know. That just seems so blah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's cliche. I think that Slytherins and Hufflepuffs are similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The hardworking and ambition kind of go together nicely yeah i feel like hufflepuffs will work hard and slytherins will figure out a way to get around having to work hard <laughs> you know maybe that would work well together yeah before you get together and you form a really other. good team exactly yeah. still one of my favorite videos ever is joe talking about hufflepuff it's how it's her favorite house Oh, yes, the best. Oh. So I think I found a mistake in the text, and maybe you guys can tell me if I'm reading this wrong. But mm. Robin says that Worm Twenty Eight is the one who told her about Anime's Latin motto, but that was Fiendy One, wasn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a mistake, and it's not just accidentally typing the wrong name because she follows it up with having also talked to Fiendy One. So I feel like maybe there was originally another conversation that she had to edit out and oh, condense. Yeah. That's probably what happened. And she had to condense it all to, into being fiendy. And this was missed. But what is the joke about the football team that, that makes Strike smile? So he puts a P with a bunch of asterisks. Yeah. So I was thinking, obviously, it was something else. Yeah. I did too. But, but there were actually yeah. too, too many letters. Uh -huh, I counted as well. I, 
I looked it up and the word is peacocks. Yeah. Which is the team's nickname. So I don't see why this is funny, especially since the nickname just comes from a pub in Leeds near the team's playing field that's called the Old Peacock. So it's not like they're even making fun of them. I looked this up too. And I think that maybe I just misunderstood because it doesn't seem to be like a joke. I think that maybe he's just smiling because he's kind of messing with Robin a little. So mm-hmm. joking around with the aspect. Yeah, maybe so. A little fun yeah, fact. Not, yeah. 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 That's a hundred percent how I read it. I mean, first of all, he's texting with Robin, so he's gonna be smiling. smiling already. Right. <laughs> but yeah, he's texting her because she he knows she's gonna be annoyed by him sending a P with a bunch of asterisks instead of <laughs> you know, yeah. she's gonna be like, God damn it, strike. You know she's gonna work it out. And yeah, he's giving her a little puzzle and he knows she'll figure it out, but he's also messing with her and it's just yeah. cute. Really interesting to me that he could distinguish the language Finnish in the pub's hubbub. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like maybe think, oh, that sounds Scandinavian, sounds, you know, but to actually be able to zero in on Finnish, it just reminds us how brilliant he is, you know. Yeah. It does feel like a very strike thing to be able to do. Yeah. So then we have strikes fall. And before the fall, the feeling of the pub growing more and more crowded is a nice mm. touch. It kind of adds to the chaos and makes the scene itself feel unbalanced to mm-hmm. me. I can see myself losing my footing when everything is so crowded. Oh, totally. I would absolutely Completely. crash into someone like an idiot. I mean, you know I run into door frames all the time. Yeah. It's going to happen. But the way she writes this is so... You can feel the mortification he feels and Ugh. the feeling of being exposed when the metal rod is showing. Mm-hmm. It really does reflect back to that fall in the White for me. Yeah. You feel it in both of them. I feel this every time he falls, which is it's yeah. almost in every book. So he falls in Cuckoo's Calling, although it doesn't have any witnesses. He falls in Silkworm yeah. and feels humiliated in the subway. Oh, that one's really bad because yeah. people assume he's a drunk. Yeah. You know. He falls in Troubled Blood on the ferry. That's humiliating for him. And the one in Troubled Blood has to be horrible because then oh, the guy God, starts yelling, yes. it's okay, he's got a false leg. Oh, God. It makes it so much worse. Oh. I guess Career of Evil is the only one I can think where he doesn't. Yeah. But maybe he does and I'm not remembering. Maybe. But anyway, so yeah, that's a lot of falls and every time I feel the embarrassment alongside mm-hmm. Strike, it's Oh. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of these lethal white parallels, Pools, you yeah. and I were talking the other day about the parallels themselves and that it's fun to point them out, but you were talking mm-hmm. about looking at what it really means. Do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts on what some of these lethal white ones could mean? So the leg, the not really trying in a relationship or thinking you are, the anger at not being able to work, because we got some more coming up as well. Yeah, we really do. I suppose that strike in both of these books so lethal white and ink black heart he's in the same place of feeling rejected by robin at the beginning of the book romantically because in lethal white she goes on her honeymoon and here she uh is afraid of him kissing her right yeah so that same event happening at the beginning of each book leads him to another woman first of all he didn't do it in troubled blood but he does it again here because again he feels rejected about robin and this is how he reacts trying to make it work with another woman but regarding the physical parallels it's an ongoing issue that's coming to a head and i think that the previous books they've all been laying the groundwork the injury that he took in lethal white with his hamstring is coming back to haunt him like the past is happening yeah. again to him and this time it's getting worse so in the relationship this time robin's not going to leave her husband and come back to strike this time she's going to go and date someone else right 
this time his leg isn't going to heal after a week. It's going to keep getting worse until it gets the worst it's ever been. So I suppose to me that these parallels emphasize the fact that his behavior is a pattern and it's a pattern that's not working and that hasn't been working. So it keeps coming back to haunt him, these same issues. Mm -hmm. But now it's hit the point where he has to change in both respects or it's all going to fall apart, yeah. right? To me, that's sort of the purpose of these parallels, if that makes sense. It does make sense. The question itself is so important because we do point out all these things, right? Yeah. But what's the point in doing that if you don't talk about what it means for the story as a whole? Mm-hmm. The bigger thing that you're taking away from it. Yeah. Why are these things here? Going to the why of it. And like I said in the last episode, I do think that the purpose of Ink Black Heart is to break him down mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he hasn't made these changes yet. So I totally agree with what you're saying, that these parallels are pointing to the patterns of his behavior that aren't working for him. And here we're going to see that kind of come to a head. Yeah. The consequences are hitting harder and harder. And here they hit so hard that he can't, he's not getting back up. So then he's gone to the bathroom and come out of the stall and facing him clearly waiting for him was the bearded rune marked man he'd tailed from wally's estate tall and broad exuding aggression thurizaz stared unblinkingly into the detective's eyes then took a step forward placing them toe to toe and then those three seconds that pass Mm -hmm. before strike makes a move i just thought created some fantastic suspense yes it's a whole paragraph that's only three seconds yeah. in reality going through what those three seconds meant to strike before. That's all it took for the vehicle to explode and rip oh. off half his leg. And then it goes into what others might have done instead to defuse the situation. It goes into literally into strike's brain his amygdala, amygdala uh, had taken control, flooding him with adrenaline that temporarily obliterated his excruciating pain. And he knows how quickly everything can go bad if you don't act. Yeah. And like I said before, I think we do need to consider his leg. You know, he can't just try and walk away. He has to try and take this guy down. Mm-hmm. And he does because he was yeah. a boxer, you know. Yeah. In the army. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're reminding us of that bit because, oh my God, when he takes this guy down, am I wrong for thinking it's kind of sexy? <laughs> Are we going there or? We can always go <laughs> there. Always. Yeah. I love going there because, oh my God, it's so sexy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he faints. He punches. The guy slips in his own pee. The whole thing is just. <laughs> <laughs> well, that bit's gross, but the right. rest of it. <laughs> that was a nice touch. Yeah. The fact that he is so injured and still oh, can yeah. take this guy down. He's just so skilled. Quite a man. He packs a lot of force in his punch because his arms. Well, it's are so that upper strong. body strength. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for that reminder. I'm just always so relieved that he gets away in time. I remember <laughs> being really stressed because I wasn't sure if this guy was going to catch up to him, and because he wasn't going to have the same luck if he had a second confrontation. No. no. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have the element of surprise. Mm-mm. I like the little sentence here where he mentions the deity who granted small mercies following fuck ups. I just love it because I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's a church I join. That's a thing you need in your life. You fuck up, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you get something nice to compensate for it or bring it back. Bring it back. Phew. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That is a good deity. Oh, so relieved. So this bit where it describes the likelihood that Strike is going to have to haul himself up three flights of stairs mm-hmm. on his butt because of yeah. the condition of his leg. 
I always hate that. Right. I mean, aside from being just humiliating and terrible, can the lift please be fixed in the next book? Like, please. You know what I just thought? Hmm. I wonder if Pat was there when that happened. And that's adding to her. I mean, I think she would have defended Oh, him my God. But do you know oh, what she... I mean? Like, oh. hmm. Yeah. What if oh. she was there and tried to help and. Okay. You know, Mm, this oh. made me really sad for straight i'm sorry oh. you know what i mean though she had yeah. to be in there right yeah you yeah. would have seen his absolute She's aware struggle a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i think so too mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. i love pat and strike so much i love <laughs> too mm-hmm. in any case i hope that it's fixed so that he yeah. doesn't find himself in these sorts of positions where his leg hurts and he has to haul himself yeah. up, you know, on his backside. Like that's it would be a big moment of growth for him if he was like, Hey, we need to get this fixed. It would be. I like that when his phone rings, he's expecting it to be Robin. It just makes me think of later on when he's in so much pain but feels like hearing her voice will help him make it through. Mm-hmm. You know, but no, it's Nutley. This is like Oof. the opposite. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. that uh the deity yeah. of small mercies has abandoned it- him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a fickle god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so netley tells him that inigo is sweet talking someone on the phone and assumes it's an affair mm. it's interesting that he felt the need to leave the house because i feel like it said that kacha was gone yeah it did but i think he didn't want gus to overhear well interesting though that it's soundproof mm, yeah is he suspicious maybe did he find a bug Mm. Or does he just really want to make sure that Gus isn't lurking outside the door or whatever? He could, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, it's only soundproof if the person's in the place he's supposed to be. But he could be wandering around. Yeah, he could be. Do we think this is Kia calling because she's upset about Strike wanting to interview her? 100%. I mean, yeah. Nutley says she's properly scared of something. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. Strike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be properly scared of yeah, him. Yeah, I'd be I properly scared if he was coming after me and I was Kia or a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But there's this bit where Strike tells Nutley to get out of there because Inigo looks at him and mm-hmm. he says, one gigantic mistake today was enough. And I just feel bad because he's being pretty hard on himself for something that he can't really control. Yeah. God, it really feels like the self-loathing and loathing for his disability is really on show here and later on as mm-hmm. well. So do you think that Thury says caught on to strike following them earlier got a glimpse of strike or more than a couple glimpses of him he must have registered him in some way because strike just falling oh yeah yeah. be like something yeah he called attention to himself and then i'm sure they were like oh that guy's been saw that guy so really the mistake started earlier earlier and getting seen by thuris has interesting to me that strike let himself be seen but he's also usually not following people who are also following people. Mm-hmm. That's true. And doing it incapacitated. All right. So in chapter 43, we see Strike's injury starting to impact the agency. And I guess I'll do the epigraph for this one. Then cease by stern reproof to load fresh sorrows on the oppressed. Strew not with thorns his rugged road who fainting pants for rest. And that is to blank by Mary Teague. This whole poem applies to both Robin and Strike for the entire novel. Like this bit, very Strike. But listen to this bit. How hard with anguish unrevealed, easy and gay to appear, and teach the lip by sorrow sealed, an artful smile to wear, the heart consumed by secret pains which must not dare not speak, whose silent tongue to none complains, must sigh or swelling break. 
Rana trying to hold down her love for Strike and put on a smile and pretend she's not heartbroken yeah. inside just really, really spoke to me. You tell each other you're in love. But apart from that digression, in regards yeah. to the specific epigraph here, I feel like <laughs> this epigraph is basically Pat lecturing the subcontractors about having some compassion for Strike, but in a poem. This is in her poem form. Yep. Yeah. This is Pat's POV. I love that interpretation that this is Pat's voice. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, don't add sorrows when he needs to rest. Yeah. You know, it's great. And like with the previous one, I feel like it's validating my position on this a little bit because I think that everyone is being really hard on him. And I, I like thinking that maybe the epigraphs give us a little insight into how JK Rowling views the chapter, mm. you know, where her opinions would fall, because I think they must. Yeah, I bet they do. So I, I love that interpretation that this is Pat. Yeah. Yeah. POV when you're Pat and also a 19th century poet. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when I think about Pat, I think about poetry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Every time. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? They still have to start with a P, so that's logical. That makes sense to me. Right. Yes. It all checks out. I would like to read a poem that Pat wrote. It would be dirty and it would be a limerick. <laughs> <laughs> so Shrike is incapacitated and he calls Murphy to tell him what happened out of fear that Thurzaz recognized him. He doesn't even know he's calling the enemy. <laughs> I mean, in regards to stealing his girl. But you know what's so funny about Shrike and Murphy is I feel like they really like each other. Yeah, yeah. they get along. <laughs> they really do. And, you know, the part, obviously, that where Murphy says, I didn't hear you, is cute and funny. It is. Yeah. That line made me like him. Yeah, yeah of course. It did. Oh, definitely. I have a feeling that we're not going to be able to help but like him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which will make it all the more frustrating. Like, he can't have the decency to be a dickhead. <sighs> God. Exactly. <laughs> Miss Matthew <laughs> being an asshole. <laughs> but yeah he he actually is a decent bloke and i think this interaction is one that is shaping strike's opinion of him for later like Mm -hmm. this is oh cheers that was a good thing to do yeah although there's no way in which someone is going to contact this neo-nazi that they're investigating and say hey we know that someone was following you because of our investigation yeah prosecute him like it it was never gonna happen anyway no no, so it's not like he's actually doing strike a favor it's just you know it's the thought that counts but there are other parts later where they kind of joke together Mm -hmm. i think or one of them laughs at the other's joke i just think the running grave is going to be really interesting because i hope they go i think i think that they like each other yeah they they do. do I don't think that Strike is going to have the warmest feelings for him going forward, but... No, he'll be like, you traitor, you snake in the grass, how dare you? (laughs) How dare you betray me? You know? (laughs) Throwing knives at his picture on the wall. (laughs) Oh, no. He has a little voodoo doll. Yeah. (laughs) I really want Strike and Robin to have some sort of interaction that Murphy witnesses, and he's like, what's that about? I want that, too. I Uh want that, too. Very much so. (laughs) So this next part where Murphy goes to another room to give Strike some details is something that Amber argued in her Murphy as a member of the Havening Post that is suspicious that he's going to -hmm. speak away from other ears. But I don't think that he says anything that isn't true. They really did think that Strike was police because this is later confirmed in the chat chapter between Lord Drek and Val Pachora. Yeah, I think you're right. And him having to go somewhere private to have this conversation makes sense because he's giving a PI confidential information over the phone. Right. Like, of course, he's not going to want to be overheard by his colleagues or superiors doing that. So it's totally possible. He's just a decent guy who understands reciprocal relationships. 
mm-hmm. who doesn't think PIs are idiots and who wants to keep strike informed since they might be in danger. Yeah. And who also has nothing against maybe a good word being thrown in with Robin. Mm-hmm. Maybe want to <laughs> protect Robin from being killed by a neo-Nazi by tipping them yeah. off. So a little bit of self-interest. I find it funny. Well, I guess not funny, but it's a little bit of foreshadowing. But whenever Murphy says any unsolicited packages, call us because <laughs> about 30 oh. something more chapters from here is when we get the office getting sent the package that yeah we should god that's 30 chapters away (laughs) Mm -hmm. this book has so many chapters you guys so then strike tells everyone what happened and there's a bunch of stuff that i like and a bunch of stuff that i don't like about this whole thing I don't like that people are complaining to Robin about it. I genuinely feel bad for Shrike and also that Robin's kind of being dumped on. Yeah. I don't think any of them gave Robin really a hard time when she made them a target later on. It just feels unfair. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. It's weird to me that Dev and Midge are really like in on this because if I was a new hire, I would not be talking shit about your boss. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. really. (laughs) No kidding. It's like everybody piles on. Yeah. You know, except Robin and Pat, who actually sticks up for him. And I mean, this whole lack of compassion just really really bothered me mm-hmm. and of course add to that the fact that strike has no compassion for his own you know for himself but it's interesting too because this all brought back to mind something that really bothered me back in lethal white here we go with lethal white again do you remember when hutchins was having trouble with his ms yeah and he lost suspect he was tailing because yeah, of yeah. it and strike just like pitched a fit (laughs) I was like yelling at him on the phone and calling him names and everything Mm -hmm. and it's like you know strike doesn't have patience for himself or others think that if he had been in the group he would have piled on as well well it's (laughs) it's another good callback because I've always thought that strike was being unreasonable and now it's just the reverse Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean again the whole thing feels like lethal white where they're overworked he hurts his leg Mm -hmm. this time he's not mad at robin for not being able to work everyone's mad at him how the turntables yeah Mm -hmm. i feel like barkley has the most reasonable point that he should have said but like i said earlier Mm -hmm. if they're all complaining about the ross case i understand the pressure that he must have been feeling to not say something barkley's been with them a much longer time and this isn't the first time time he's seen strike refuse to stop doing something that's hurting his leg like remember mm-hmm. in Lethal White, they were digging a grave together and Strike's yeah, yeah, yeah. being stubborn and digging. So Barkley's seen this before. He's closer to Strike and Robin than these other two. Yeah, I feel like he has more of a standing to say. He has stuff. more of a point. He, he's so annoyed that he abandons his tea. <laughs> made me laugh. He walks out leaving his tea <laughs> that he just made. And I'm like, oh, Barkley's pissed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that so much, though, because he's storming out yeah. and, you know, snapping at Pat for defending him. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just because Barkley's been around it doesn't mean I think that it's not unfair. Yeah, no, it's... it's not fair. I understand why he's the most vocal and has the least pity because he's seen this before. He's been through this thing with strike, strike stubbornness. I guess, I guess, yes, it is stubbornness, but it's like how he didn't really they're have all blaming options, him. Yeah. They're all blaming him already for something else. So it's, mm-hmm. just, but I, obviously I love Pat sticking up for him. Oh, it's so great. This <laughs> is the thing that I have been looking forward to since he first complained about her in the Land Rover at the very beginning of Troubled Blood. Mm-hmm. Their relationship is just perfect. 
It's it so I've loved it since then. It's my ultimate bro TP. Yeah. I love it. What? Bro TP. Bro TP. Friendship true pairing. Like yeah. bro. Bro TP. You know I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, now you I know. Now you yeah, know. Now you know. But yeah, Pat sticking up for strike. Just file that under things that I wasn't expecting, but was completely delighted by. Totally. Oh, I expected it. I'm just glad that I was right about this relationship, unlike Max and Robin. Right. I also love more foreshadowing about the door. So it says Strike was still seen as the boss Mm -hmm. by the subcontractors. It was, after all, his name engraved on the glass outer door. I feel like she really lays that foreshadowing on Mm -hmm. really thick throughout this whole book that that's going to be something that's going to change. It's funny because, yeah, she did. It's in here a lot. And I saw it coming. But in Mm -hmm. all the chaos of the final couple chapters, it Mm -hmm. still caught me by surprise in the most wonderful way. It's like I had forgotten about it for a second. And then, you know, it was perfect. It really was. Yeah. Robin starts looking at Chrissy Ross's social media, which was incredibly smart to do. Mm -hmm. This line right here, it says she felt slightly seedy about doing it, but as Ross was arguably an even bigger threat to the agency's ability to function than the happening, she'd overridden the promptings of her conscience. Mm -hmm. And it just frustrates me a little bit because Robin understands what a threat this is. But in just a page or two, when she goes upstairs, she thinks it was adding Charlotte's husband that screwed us up. And I was Mm -hmm. like... If it's such a threat, how can he not add it? Yeah. He has to. She knows it's a threat. I think she's just mad that she feels he made it a threat in the first place. So she's unfairly blaming him for the threat being so bad or something. Yes, but yeah. it's just another thing that it's clearly unfair. It's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of drives me nuts. I found it really interesting that Jago's daughter is named Christabel. Because it feels to me like it must be a reference to the Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem, Christabel. Such a unique name that I feel like it's got to be a reference. And the poem seems relevant to me. It's unfinished, so we don't know how the poem ends. But it's about a young woman, Christabel, who finds um, another woman in the forest who claims to have been kidnapped. Christabel takes her home. Geraldine, the woman's name is. But it's revealed that she's actually some kind of evil supernatural being. And she casts a spell on Christabel to make her unable to expose Geraldine. And then she entrances Christabel's father. And then the poem ends. But it seems an interesting and appropriate name because this is a young woman, helpless against evil in her own home, unable to speak to expose it. And here the evil is her own father, of course. But it felt suitable to me. And of course, Samuel Tyler Coleridge is the like great-granduncle of Mary Elizabeth Coleridge, whose who's poem oh. starts off the book, right? Mm-hmm. So they're related. So that's the sort of connection there. Bummer that you don't know how it ends because it makes me feel like we're not going to know. know what happens with the Ross kids. I know. <laughs> this quote that Chrissy Ross has on her Instagram about an absent parent being better than a toxic one, it kind of gave me Alita vibes. Yeah, yeah, I like that thought. I feel like you could apply this bit about some people being put in your life to show you what love isn't for a few different people. But my first thought was, at least in this book, Charlotte for Strike, because he finds out that, yeah, it's not love. You know, that chapter that he has with her. And then at the end of the book, you know, he makes that important realization about what it is that he has, you know, with Robin. So I think that that applies on a few different levels. It's interesting looking at these social media posts and trying to apply them across the book. I found it interesting that Christy had a big crush on Ashton Irwin. And of course I had to look him up. Yeah. I have no idea who he was. 
He's a drummer for Five Seconds of Summer. Okay. You guys know that band? No. no. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only I one. I do, but I know like one song. <laughs> anyway, I'd never heard of them. And they apparently had a big hit called She Looks So Perfect. Okay. And I played it and I still had never heard <laughs> yeah. it. So yeah, it's really off my radar. But anyway, the title, She Looks So Perfect, I found interesting because maybe it was a nod to Christy who looks to have a perfect life, but is far from having Ooh. one. Or maybe there's no meaning behind it whatsoever. I just wondered why Ashton or I think I looked them up. They started in 2011. So maybe it's just the timing, you know, what a teenager might be into yeah. around that time. Yeah. So Strike calls and asks Robin to come upstairs. And I feel so bad for him here, how he keeps saying sorry. I know. Yeah. That was sad. I loved it because I too start verbal exchanges all the time with sorry. It's a bit of a tick. Reflex. So I was wondering if Strike was becoming a Canadian somehow. He feels so guilty. <laughs> He's making the transformation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the transformation is almost complete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs oh, a no. shitty donut from Tim Hortons and then he'll be one of us. But yeah, yeah he feels so guilty. And he says it I twice know. again when she comes up. It doesn't help make me feel so much empathy for him when we have this adorable moment where he has jack's report taped on his kitchen cupboards that is the cutest thing i've ever heard (laughs) seriously how sweet is this i love these little tidbits that we get with their chats and just seeing how their relationship is developed is just really sweet and i love that he has a photo of jack up on the dresser which mm-hmm. is really cute mm-hmm. that he put the photo up. I'm surprised he didn't somehow contrive to block the other two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would be in so much trouble if Lucy ever saw that. A conveniently stacked <laughs> pile of books is blocking half the picture. Oh. Or, oops, I taped something very important on a post-it note over this one's face. Oh. <laughs> but about the report, I love also that Robin feels a personal interest in Jack because she mm-hmm. was there it's really sweet i feel like she'll be auntie robin one day so it's of good course. that she already mm-hmm. feels that interest okay well that's adorable i know right <laughs> it's so cute <laughs> yeah so here's a question robin offers to go to kingsland for strike to interview kia but he says he should be fine by then it made me wonder if robin would have been more successful with her because you know they often talk about how she tends to be calming or helpful in those kinds of situations but I don't know. I kind of think that this might be one of the times where Strike was better suited to the interview because Mm -hmm. he uses his leg to literally get in the door. And because Kia Mm -hmm. is so much like Charlotte, I think he might have been better prepared for handling her. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, for this particular brand of Charlottian bullshit, Strike is probably (laughs) best suited for the job because he understands that kind of manipulation better than anyone. Oh, yeah. Together would have been fun. They could have done a really good, good cop, bad cop. Bad cop. Our favorite yes. thing. <laughs> Love it when they go good cop, bad cop. But which one would Robin be? How bad How do you, want, you me want me to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so should we talk about Kia's Tumblr post that Strike shows Robin? All yes. about Strike asking for an interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another time where it's kind of difficult to discuss because I generally agree that we should be able to say no to things or <laughs> having boundaries is a good thing, right? But do I think this situation warrants this response yeah no i don't yeah i'm sorry but kia is being so dramatic here that i can't take her seriously and i don't for a second believe that she has ptsd and honestly her saying that she does is insulting and damaging to people who actually do suffer from ptsd that is literally doing damage her claiming that she's got ptsd when she does not 
she was spot on that strike was deliberately guilting her into saying yes because that's his job but you know Uh she can set a boundary by saying no and blocking him she didn't i don't really have a lot of sympathy for her to make me feel like strike is wrong for this no um you know he's pursuing a murder suspect i feel like all is fair in love and murder cases yeah i mean not in the real world because you know corruption but for our protagonists right of course yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. knowing that she's so similar to charlotte i think it's totally possible that she's kind of using what you said as a constant weapon to manipulate people it's her it's her chosen means of manipulation charlotte wields her beauty or whatever kia has the beauty but she chooses looking vulnerable and yeah well charlotte uses the threat of suicide as well she does kia is doing this too where she says yeah so i guess being in constant pain slash suicidal isn't yeah. enough thanks life. i just realized strike at one point says charlotte does wield vulnerability like a weapon doesn't he yeah so yeah very very similar but yeah as you said the suicide threat listen using suicide to guilt or to threaten people to make them do what you want to it is a manipulative and not only that it is abuse it's an abusive tactic it and it's it's disgusting whether it is direct or implied like he is doing here so maybe a little bit of a tricky one because i think it's great that society is you know leaning more into taking care of our mental health and lessening the stigma around it but can mm-hmm. someone use it to manipulate something else someone else yeah yeah i mean there's always those people who take a good thing and ruin it for everyone by being horrible like you can (laughs) weaponize literally anything in society this way and turn into to a weapon like this i think yeah it's a good example of how it happens and how it looks does anyone i would like to know if anyone likes anyone is there anyone listening likes her (laughs) so moving on though because she uses the spoonie thing in this post she does i remember some haters of the book well probably jk rowling haters coming for strike not knowing what a spoonie was yeah i was like i i didn't know this either i did know but that's because i'm i'm online way too much and have been for a very long time but how on earth would anyone expect a character like strike to know this he's clearly not the kind of person who would be on any kind of online support space for people with disabilities or be deep into activism on the topic or anything like that honest to god people need to get out of their own bubble and understand different perspectives and experiences in regard to shared characteristics i also think it's weird to expect everyone to understand internet culture when not everyone has access to the internet Mm -hmm. yeah strike obviously has access to the internet but i'm just saying he doesn't waste his time on it like some of us do though (laughs) yeah he's not terminally online yeah I'm like, yeah. Some of us. I was familiar with the whole spoon theory, spoony culture sort of stuff because I too am terminally online. But Strike can barely accept that he's disabled just by himself. I don't Mm -hmm. see him getting caught up in online disability politics and discourse and stuff like that. I don't see him being familiar with that kind of stuff. No. So then Madeline calls and Robin (sighs) could not jump up more quickly to leave. Mm -hmm. It's so sad because... If it were, you know, let's say Lorelai or Ellen back a few books, she was very interested Mm -hmm. in what was going on. There was jealousy, but it wasn't defined. She wasn't aware of it. But now she can't even stand to be in the same room when she calls. It's all these signs of her feelings and the fact that she's so in love with him, but she can't let herself dwell on the feelings. But we can see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder if we're going to see parallels with this in Running Grave with Robin and Murphy and Strike. Oh, that would be interesting because then Robin could remember 
that she did the same thing and why and then mm-hmm. spend two weeks wondering if he's jealous or something. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks is a very short estimate. <laughs> I know. But you know what? That reminds me of something from chapter 28, the one with Ilsa, that I don't mm-hmm. think we mentioned that I've been thinking about. Yeah. And I feel like it's important because at the end of that chapter, when she says to Ilsa, oh, and making Strike jealous is the last thing on your mind or whatever she says. It's another time where Robin doesn't deny that something. She never says, what are you talking about? That won't make him jealous. She knows that it will. Because she <laughs> knows there's something. Yes. Yeah. She does know. Oh, man. We just didn't point that out. And I thought of it after. And now I like I'm that. just reminded that. I'm it, glad you yeah. did point that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see a par- another parallel here with Madeline and Lorelai where he's injured. And Madeline expresses regrets that she can't have him stay with him. But Lorelai we know did mm-hmm. not quite sure what i'm taking from it but it's another one well i don't know if he had stayed over with her and let her take care of him she might have ended up saying that she loves him like lorelei <laughs> did you know he's not making that mistake uh, again yeah no, he's, he's learned his lesson he's learned <laughs> he's learned his lesson there yeah. i also definitely don't think that madeline loves him no that's funny yeah He's like, oh no, I know what this. Yeah, this I know where this is gonna go. Also, speaking of Madeline, I noticed that this is the only time in the book where she worries about him having food when she doesn't actually have to do anything. Ah, <laughs> oh, Madeline. Of course, that checks out. And I love though that Pat is getting it for him. Oh yeah. Can we add providing food to the ways that Robin and Pat show affection to Strike aside from making tea? Because it's really sweet. Well, it's a love language. Like Pat bringing him food, you know, while his leg is bad in this book, whenever he had flu, Robin making that chicken after the bomb, and then Robin's tea and food at the end of the book. It's a nice way that they show that they care. And she gave him that hamper of cornwall oh, that that was really sweet. Sweet. I love that drinks for his birthday yeah, you know what they say about the way to a yeah. man's heart yep <laughs> through his stomach yeah. and that was her first gift to him right yeah it was yeah. i think and that was oh that was really cute i love silkworm i know it's not a lot of people's favorites but i really love it i like it a lot it's higher rated on my mm-hmm. list it's cute how touched he is by those things yeah mm-hmm. he is very yeah. endearing the chapter ends with strike sat in silence smoking and trying not to think about robin <laughs> and this is while he's talking to madeline mm-hmm. yeah she kills me with lines like this you know yeah. what is he thinking about just in general about how much he you know don't say the word loves her or <laughs> is he thinking about how she got up when she saw madeline calling Uh, is he just wishing she was still there i just want details right i want all the details Uh uh-huh that's definitely one of those moments where i would have liked to have heard more of his internal monologue like that it says trying because that definitely implies that he's failing he's always failing (laughs) chapter 44 we have a few things that happen in this chapter this is a good one yeah we see something uh happen to wolfgang ilsa tells nick that she's pregnant and we hear about it and robin and strike make plans to go to comic-con oh that's great this is a good chapter so Mm -hmm. good the epigraph reads weary mummers taking off the mask discern that face themselves forgotten on and sitting in the lap of sheltering night learn their own secrets from her and that is from media in athens by augusta webster and just on the surface to me this epigraph speaks so much to Corbin and Robin having their late night phone call and properly connecting with each other in safety of that sort of yeah the telephone space right yeah, so yeah. they're joking with each other they're talking about godparenting 
it's like the masks that they've been wearing around each other fall down and it's just the two of them and robin ends the call smiling you know that strike did too yeah yeah kill me <laughs> just kill me with that but the poem this poem is about medea a woman betrayed by her lover drops her for another woman so jason the guy jason of the argonauts the golden fleece so medea loathes jason and refuses to forgive him Although weirdly, she's mostly mad at, well, I mean, not weirdly, but she's mad about the death of her sons, which she blames on him, except she's the one who killed them. Then it's his fault. I'm not quite sure how that works. But anyway, so this, this anger at betrayal about being left for another woman, Robin has a bit of that anger at strife. A bit. A, bit, yeah. a little a bit. bit. <laughs> you know, and she she returns to that anger, like Medea is you know, dwelling yeah. on it at the end of the chapter to try and suppress her feelings. But for Robin, it's a losing game. It's not going to work, baby girl. You're doomed. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I really love that. And talking about their masks falling, because that's just my favorite thing of this chapter. It's adorable. Yeah. I hate to bring this back to anime because that interpretation is so perfect. But oh, yeah. we do also see a bit of a mask slip from anime in this chapter where he gets drunk and says too much to Robin. Oh, my God. You're right. I was so focused on Robin and Strike being cute that I forgot anime was even here. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, enemies here. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Yeah, yours is yeah. way yours Cuter. is way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yours is more accurate. Yeah, okay. That that makes sense. No, you know what? I think this is one where it both applies pretty mm-hmm. well to both mm-hmm. of them. It super does. But I'm yeah. so mad at myself for missing that. But yeah, good job. <laughs> 100% it fits anime in this chapter too <laughs> well you know what I wouldn't have thought of it if you hadn't done yours because I okay. didn't really have anything for this and then <laughs> I read yours and I was like I love that and then also this so teamwork yes teamwork yeah. makes the dream work guys here we go Slytherins mm-hmm. and Hufflepuffs working together in harmony in sync <laughs> amazing we open the chapter hearing that it's election night and we get very opposite opinions from the pen of justice and Wally Cardew. Do we mm-hmm. know who the Brotherhood of Ultima Thule person is that responded to Wally? Their handle was jket underscore b-o-u-t or are they just a random member of the Brotherhood? Yeah, we know who they are. That's jket equals Jamie Kettle equals Thurisaz. Oh, Strike okay. figures gotcha, that out gotcha. on Twitter in yeah. a couple chapters. Yeah, so oh, it's okay. that guy. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we've met yeah. him in person. Well, Strike has really gotten Strike close. Strike has. He sure oh, has. Personal. personal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jinx. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people predicted this next bit that something was going to happen to Wolfgang. I mm-hmm. predicted it and I hated it. Lots of people were talking about that. I did hear, I think, a couple people talking about how they wanted Wolfgang to walk down the aisle with Strike and Robin whenever oh, they get god. married. <laughs> I was like, oh god. I don't think that was ever going to happen. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people are really devastated by it i'm devastated i'm still devastated i have to say and i love dogs i am a dog person i have four of them <laughs> myself i absolutely oh, adore man. dogs but i had no feeling about wolfgang dying he got sick and yeah. died in like the span of one page That's like i didn't have time to happens. be invested so upsetting like i was already invested yeah you know, from previously and it did hurt my heart Mine yeah. too. I, I was a little sad about it and i felt bad for max because i've got a dachshund myself it, it was sad but i re- i wasn't like as devastated by wolfgang's death as i was say jones oh well yeah it's not comparable yeah. not not even <laughs> 
close. Oh, as yeah. far as like deaths we've had in the series, you know, we haven't had a whole lot to compare it to. I mean, can't compare but, those to that's not even a fair comparison. But yeah, I don't know. I, I can already hear the hate mail and the pitchforks coming because I didn't really have that much of a yeah, reaction I, I to mean, this. Ken's, uh, I mean, I was even less affected. You're, I don't, you're both I don't have feelings about it. Paula, yeah, these sorry. two. I, I, I second your monster. Thank comment. you. <laughs> they are monsters. Paula and I will carry the torch for Wolfgang in this episode. <laughs> Thank you. We miss okay. him. That's right. He's up in doggy heaven, growing mm-hmm. angel wings, and eating all the beef casserole he wants. Sure. I had two wiener dogs Aww. years ago named Oscar and Maya. Oh. <laughs> and so that's probably why my heart hurts so much for Max because I love them so much. Yeah, so. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's not a life experience that I have that yeah, I maybe. can relate to. Yeah, I don't really have any feelings about it. I'll accept my monster status. Yeah, accept it. Yeah. We can move on. Uh, Paul and I are waving our lighters for poor sweet Wolfgang. We love him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I cannot roll my eyes hard enough at the thought of Wolfgang walking down the aisle. I cannot. That yeah, kind of I... drives me nuts. I'm sorry. That's funny. So, I'm so not an animal person that I'm just like, please stop. Yeah, that was not something I was ever on board with. I guess going back to Max, though, I am still kind of surprised that this is the closest Max Robin moment that we get in this book. I mean, it is mm-hmm. nice that they are together for it yeah. it's just that my prediction about them was so wrong that they were going to be closer friends mm-hmm. i know yeah i guess i'm curious if anyone's opinions on max has changed because i'm a little bit sad that robin feels so unwanted in the home now that's where the little bit of disappointment in max is coming from for me because i hate that she feels that way yeah mm-hmm. it is yeah. sad i guess so i mean they start out as roommates and they did get friendly right. but i guess they never became that level yeah i don't see them as friends yeah i wish they'd gotten more friendly and became real good friends i'm a bit sad that it didn't happen it was just that heart to heart that they had in the last book that made me think that they were going to be I was sad that we were wrong about that too. Yeah, I guess it's not anything against Max. It's just I do feel sad that she feels so unwanted. Yeah, me too. But at least it drives her to get her beautiful new apartment. It was a positive step in the end. And we love that for her. I'm sure that they'll be friendly Mm -hmm. with each other because they're obviously going to, they have mutual friends, obviously. So yeah, they'll keep being friendly. Maybe they'll meet for a chat every couple months or coffee or something. It doesn't help, you know, with Robin's feelings or whatever, where they're just talking about, oh, when we get this new puppy with the insinuation that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, whenever you leave, I know. We'll have this new dog. It's a little rude. Of course, that talking about a new puppy situation mm-hmm. struck me differently, though, because I'm the kind of person when I lose a furry family member, mm-hmm. I have to mourn. And I'm usually not ready for another one for at least six months. Yes, yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Whereas my brother, on the other hand, literally gets a new dog within days of his old dog dying. And I'm not judging, I'm just <laughs> not wired that way. You know, it's interesting how different people deal with loss differently. I'm the same way. If it helps you think that I'm less of a monster, I feel (laughs) the same way. (laughs) I had a girl dog of mine. She died a few years ago and it took us, I think, probably like two years to replace her with another female dog. Yeah. Daisy's great. I love her, but it was like, oh, we can't replace her right away. That just feels disrespectful. Richard is the one saying this. Richard Mm -hmm. is the one doing this. And I'm like, you know what? That makes me think poorly. He doesn't have a connection to Wolfgang, right? Yeah. So it feels callous of him to be saying that Mm -hmm. to Max. You don't talk about getting a new puppy the day 
that someone's dog has died. You don't do it. It does not make me look. Maybe he thinks it's helpful. Yeah, he probably does. Yeah. On a happier note. Yeah, on a happier Mm -hmm. note, then Ilsa calls. I love Robin's responsive relief that Ilsa (laughs) has told Nick that she's pregnant. It's so funny to know that she doesn't like carrying the secret around and worried that she's never going to tell him. It's hilarious. She's like, oh, thank God. Thank Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she's been trying to get Ilsa to tell him. She's been urging Ilsa every fall, like, tell Nick for the love of God. (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely, I mean, I don't want to get into more of a Nick debate about his reaction. I just, I think that Joe does a great job of illustrating how sometimes very emotional things cause very emotional reactions. Yeah, I agree. For me personally, I kind of understand the mixed reaction of not being told. Mm -hmm. 16 weeks is a long time to wait to tell your husband. Like Elsa, (laughs) I get waiting until 12 weeks, which was really close to when she, but 16. Well, typically is that you don't tell anybody outside of your relationship. But Elsa, 16 weeks, if I was Nick, I'd be pissed too at that. Yeah. Now we have to talk about this brilliant exchange between Robin and Elsa when (laughs) talking about finding out that the kid's a boy yeah ilsa says that's what made him cry when i showed him and robin says the side of his son's penis you know what men are like about penises said ilsa endlessly proud it's <laughs> such a good exchange laugh every uh, time okay. that's amazing yeah. i mean mm. i can vouch for what ilsa's saying about sonogram pictures because it is very clear is it definitely clear yeah <laughs> i will say though that i do understand this because it is a special moment when you find out what you're having because I mean I'll never forget finding out for either of my kids because it's the very first thing that you ever learn about your child so I don't blame him for feeling emotional like it's emotional even when you haven't gone through what they're going through so you know I don't blame him for crying about this it's, yeah, it's absolutely. I get it. It's a legit thing yeah. to cry at. Sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's valid. Going back to it being election night, what month are we in? Because it says the election had been won convincingly by the conservatives. And I'm wondering who it was because, you know, it's going to coincide with real life. Shout out to Strike fans for the timeline for this. It's super helpful. But this election takes place on May the 7th, 2015. And I'm I'm not sure that I understand this correctly. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I thought from my understanding that this was just for members of parliament and not for the prime minister but i feel like i have a slight uh-huh. misunderstanding here about how exactly it works in the uk because yeah. it's slightly different here in the u.s so it's similar to our canadian system which is why i'm more familiar with it but electing mps does elect the prime minister because the prime minister is the leader of whichever party has the most seats always there's not a separate election for pm so you elect your members whoever has the majority of seats that's the prime minister so the conservatives were already the majority so david cameron their leader continued as prime minister when they won this election and the conservatives gained seats so they did really well in this election right it makes me think because i remember in career of evil it mentioned that obama was giving a speech on tv about Mm -hmm. osama bin laden being killed And I know that that was a major international news story, right? But we're coming up on 2016 in the books, and I cannot help but wonder if we'll see any more American politics. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. 2016 was Trump's election, right? 
It was, yeah. But, and speaking of which, this election in the book is such an upset because the pollsters were all pointing at the yeah. opposing party winning. Mm-hmm. And of course, the polls also got it all wrong in 2016 in the U.S. Yep. The next year. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering if we're going to see because, I mean, I think anyone who yeah. follows J.K. Rowling on Twitter knows that she has opinions with a capital O about this. So that <laughs> yeah. would be interesting. Although, yep. of course, we don't know how far into 2016 we're going to get. We might not make True. it to November. Brexit yeah. is in 2016 as well, isn't it? Oh, so yeah. that's going to be... That'll be the focus. Yeah. I don't think that she would cover it in the next book. It would likely be in the book following. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if she's going to reference what happened with the Grenfell Tower, with the fires that went will. on. I bet mm-hmm. if, it could, if it's in the space of the book, because it was big news. Okay, so Robin logs into the game and Anime is in and he's drunk. You know what I love about his drunk typing? It's that yeah. anime corrects Ingo to info, mm-hmm. but he does not correct X. Just what he actually typed instead of exchange. It went so much more wrong, but Ingo was what he really felt the need to correct there. I know this isn't this isn't a thing, but Ingo it makes me think of Inigo. Yeah, it does. You know what I love, though? Because Anime starts this private conversation with Robin and talks about not feeling guilty for killing and that he's planning his next one, which obviously we know is Oliver Peach. But Robin takes screenshots of all of this. And I just realized that these screenshots are probably all going to be used in court. My God, they totally are. I love seeing these kinds of things that, oh, this is going to come back and bite him later because Robin's a genius and took pictures. Yeah. That reminds me of that little bit in Cuckoo's Calling where Strike is kind of showing off a little bit to Robin and he's like, I don't want defending counsel to have a foothold. Yeah. That comes through right here. She's like, nope. I love thinking about Strike seeing or hearing about Robin's testimony and just being all proud. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> anime talks to her about comic-con and then he doesn't mean to type all this stuff to her obviously he's trying to talk to morehouse but yeah i'm so curious about what it was they were talking about because enemies i don't want what you want what was morehouse saying to him to get that answer huh i mean it could have been they're talking about lord jack and vile Pachora being gone yeah soon. i don't feel like that's what it would be because yeah. anime tries to butter Morehouse up with that and pretend that that's do you know what I mean yeah. Morehouse yeah, is like yeah, yeah. it bother it bothers me that you don't care that they're neo-nazis so I don't think he would say I I don't want what you want yeah because he to... knows that's an issue for Morehouse yeah maybe they're talking about their real life yeah I don't want what you want yeah Morehouse could be encouraging him to go back to school do the, your music Anime mm. could be complaining mm-hmm. about the situation he's in and Morehouse is like go back to school Go out of there. Yeah. He also quotes a song here, Heart in a Cage by the Strokes. Mm. Is there any connection mm-hmm. here with the other music connected to Gus? I feel like this song makes a lot of sense for Gus. I don't know that many songs by the Strokes, so I'm no expert or anything. But from the research that I've done, this song was originally written about the songwriter's relationship with his father. So I'm thinking that if Inigo was being particularly awful that day, I can see Gus getting drunk and listening to that song. Yeah. So every day. Yeah, every day. So did Robin know this song off the top of her head? Because it doesn't mention she Googled any of the lyrics. Does she listen to the strokes? Like, is this a clue to her music taste that she instantly recognized what song he was referring to here? Because I would have had no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. So then it's almost 1am, but Robin text strike. And then she imagines this whole scenario 
where he's lying in bed with Madeline and he's snoring and Madeline gets his phone and is annoyed that Robin is texting him. Mm -hmm. Which is hilarious because I don't think I can recall a single time when Strike has literally ever been disappointed to hear from (laughs) Robin, even if he was with somebody else. Favorite thing. (laughs) It's funny because it takes me back to Lethal White again, because Mm -hmm. this scenario she's created is absolutely what would have happened with her and Matthew. Which infuriates me. So Robin thinks it's normal that Madeline would just reach over strike to grab his phone when it goes off. This is what Matthew did to you? He set this as your normal? Because that's not normal. Him having such control over her phone enraged me in Lethal White. And it's retroactively enraging me again now. (laughs) Again? Like, I'm like, how dare you, Matthew? Oh my, okay. I'm calm. Oh, I hate it. Can I take you out of it for a second? Because I like that Robin imagines him snoring. No. And she's like, I know he snores. I know he snores. To me, it feels like she likes knowing that information about him. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel that too. (laughs) Because she mentions it other times in the books. Like when he stays over, he was already snoring. She knew he snored. And it's comforting. It's not that she likes the snoring. I feel like she likes knowing it about him. It's a very intimate thing. It is. Yeah, that helped. That helped calm me down. Thank you. Although maybe after, you know, 10 years of being with him the snoring will be less cute and more i'll strangle you in your goddamn sleep (laughs) yeah i don't think he's gonna snore anymore yeah once he loses some weight it'll probably Mm -hmm. help i think that's gonna be a thing that she notices when they are sharing a bed like hey you're not snoring yeah can i switch back to politics for a second because strike says that he's not asleep because he's up watching labor implode and There's something that I've always been really curious about when it comes to politics, and I wish I could remember where she said this, but Mm -hmm. I remember an interview with J.K. Rowling where she was talking about Strike and said that she might have different politics than he does on certain things, and Mm -hmm. I've always been curious about what she meant. Yeah, like which things? I found myself wondering at points in the book if maybe she's changed her mind, maybe he's become more developed or I'm not seeing it or maybe it's just not something that she's really explored in the books but I'm curious about what it was because they don't ever explicitly talk about their politics but Mm -hmm. there have been times where it's come up so for example when Robin talks about Chisel voting against maternity leave or something Mm -hmm. Strike Mm -hmm. says okay I'm not saying I want to have a beer with him which side note that might be a Mm -hmm. Bush joke but I don't get the impression Mm -hmm. from him that he differs that much from what I've seen of her yeah, and differs from mine, which I think are similar. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about what these things would be. One of the first, I think it is the first reference to him having any kind of political thought or Mm -hmm. lack of political thought. Isn't it in the cuckoo's calling, there's some kind of demonstration against the war and he chooses not to participate in it, even though he's made this huge sacrifice and lost his leg that might have been in silkworm because he didn't have a tv in cuckoo's college was it the silkworm? so it must have okay. been in silkworm right Which was that's 2011 right. but yeah i don't know yeah strike doesn't t- i don't think strike would vote conservative i don't either just because of some of the things he yeah. says i don't think he'd be as passionately left wing as no. many i think he'd be more moderate sometimes but always yeah, compassionate i think so too mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah but it's tricky because We don't get any thoughts about it. Mm -mm. But the implication that, Mm. okay, I'm not saying I'd want to hang out with Chisel. I'm curious if maybe her idea of his politics has changed or if it's just not something that's explored or what exactly the topic would be. 
should ask her on twitter (laughs) who did strike vote for (laughs) right what are strikes top three issues if someone knows where that interview is that would be helpful but it's something that i've always remembered it's always stuck in my mind for some reason i'm curious too but moving back so robin is lying in bed when she's talking to him and i wonder if strike is too oh yes 100 percent. because we know that his Uh tv is set up at the end of his bed that's where he watches tv Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, okay. they're both in bed. They probably should have talked about what they were wearing. Like, you know. <laughs> well, if Strike Yeah, we bed, know. We know strike is, <laughs> has got his usual on. <laughs> hopefully he doesn't accidentally switch to FaceTime. <laughs> uh, hopefully it does. Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, back to the mystery. Yeah, Robin argues that the Strokes lyric is good evidence against Fia because she was wearing a Stroke shirt in one of her videos. Mm. Do you guys remember if he suspected her? No, I don't think that I ever did. I didn't like her, but I don't think that I ever suspected her. I was always more suspicious of the Upcots. I knew there was something off about them. Mm-hmm. It was like the same feeling that I had whenever we met the Athorns for the first time. I had a feeling that they were involved somehow. I didn't think that they did it, but I knew that there was something that was connected to it mm-hmm. that I just couldn't see yet. I think that I thought she was too good of a suspect to be right. Yeah. At this point, I was like, oh no, perfectly. that's too good. And of course, Strike brings Gus up again and Robin argues against it. So oh. it's funny that she says that Gus intends to go back to school, but that's only according to Katya, mm-hmm. right? So this is mm-hmm. a bit of misdirection here because he has no intention of going back. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of wondering what his end game was. I mean, did he think that he was going to get to take over the ink black heart and then he could move out on his own? I don't know if he had plans beyond, you know, stay here and do what I want. I don't know if he thought that far ahead. He certainly wasn't thinking clearly, right? Yeah, it just seems like a big thing not to think about. Yeah, well, I don't think his upstairs was working real good. I don't think he was thinking that far ahead. Twisted. I could see his delusional mind thinking that he is going to take over and that he'll get the money from it yeah start getting fandom famous and you know or maybe he thought the t-shirt sales for drex game would really take <laughs> off <laughs> that's why he was pushing them so yeah, hard that's why he's pushing game. the t-shirts he's like this is my golden <laughs> ticket the goddamn t-shirts <laughs> we're gonna do this wow but oh, i want to shake her when she says it's not gus and i'm like robin i know oh well God. it's funny because it's the second time where robin argues kia and then strike is like well what about gus but oh oh my god i want to why is she so not considering gus because it would be too obvious for us then yeah i know i guess (laughs) i know but still can we get to them talking about nick and ilsa yes because it's so cute (laughs) first i need to believe that nick called strike right after he found out and told him absolutely that's a thing right that is totally what happened absolutely sweet yeah because this is the same day yeah so nick called him oh Oh my god okay it's really cute he's gonna be like you gotta buy me a little spurs jersey for my boy no no strike is gonna buy an arsenal one oh he is he's gonna nick would have told him (laughs) to buy spurs but he's like he's the arsenal (laughs) my godfather right i also love strike telling robin that they're going to be godparents and then realizing that he's ruined the surprise it was so cute i love that for them and also baby herbert's christening needs to be in running grave please and thank you it does and like i've said they're godparents he's her god husband she's his god wife now (laughs) 
Is that how that works? They're God married. <laughs> that's how it works. Yes. Mm. That's the law. Oh. I went to Catholic school. So I love that train of logic. So back to Comic-Con, I was going to say that it's hilarious that Strike doesn't know what Comic-Con is, but then I realized that I don't actually know what people do at Comic-Con. So maybe this isn't as funny as I thought. What do you do at Comic-Con? Ritual sacrifice, mostly. Oh. Like summoning Dark Lords, <laughs> right. that kind of right. thing, like coven circles chanting mm-hmm. naked dancing obviously in all seriousness though if you do want to know uh-huh. it's usually like panels for like tv shows and stuff yeah. they'll usually do like q a's and stuff like that okay. shopping um, big merch autograph yes. signing yes lots of that lots of merch have any of you guys been to comic-con no i've not been to comic-con but i've been to conventions before i went to a harry potter convention that was in dallas right after the last book came out that was fun i went to an anime convention in high school and that's my dark shame (laughs) (laughs) that you just said on a public podcast i'm hoping you'll cut it out (laughs) (laughs) well now that you've said it i know i'm in trouble But them joking with each other about Star Wars characters is adorable. So cute. It was. It was so cute. I love Strike's suggestion of Robin as Yoda. (laughs) It's so funny that Robin tells him that he'd make a, and I quote, lovely Darth Vader. And what does this man pick later? Oh, it's the only one he could think of because it's what she was like. Oh, he kills me. So cute. This is probably not even worth mentioning, Uh but when I read this... I got confused. Maybe it's just in the Kindle edition, the way that the conversation is broken up into lines, but it reads in masks, said Robin. And then the next line, which would be strike. Yeah, we wouldn't stand out. Half the people there will be dressed as Star Wars characters. Next line, Mm -hmm. which would be Robin. I can see you as Yoda. Mm -hmm. Next line, which should be strike. And you'd make a lovely Darth Vader, said Robin. It's an error. Yeah. It is clearly Strike speaking, but if it was him, there right. should not have been a closing quotation mark on the previous sentence. Right. Because if he's switching topics, yeah, you can indent and do a new line, except yeah. you leave off that closing. But you have to leave that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an error. But yeah, it's, I yeah, think it it's just tripped cool. me up. Yeah. But I, I figured out. It tripped you know, me up too. It was obviously meaning, but yeah. But let's get to the ending because it's so adorable. It's so cute. <laughs> Catching mm-hmm. sight of herself in the dressing table mirror, Robin saw that she was smiling. She mm-hmm. Consciously repressed her uplifted spirits in the usual way by reminding herself of the existence of Madeline Corson Miles and of Charlotte Campbell's divorce. Mm-hmm. It's so cute that she catches herself smiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, I, I don't it. know why I always forget about this moment because it's just so cute. I'm not going to forget about it now. Yeah, this is both super cute and super frustrating. Mm. This bit where she represses her smile just reminds me of that part in Troubled Blood where mm. Robin gets off the phone with Strike about meeting Anna and Kim. Yeah. And it's the thought of Ilsa, Matthew, and Charlotte that forces her to repress her smile there as well. <gasps> I God, just really want to see them fully embracing their love sick smiles. Same. Same. Right. I want it so bad. I need it. <laughs> or somebody getting a picture of it and showing it to the other. Like, mm-hmm. look at how he's looking at you. Yeah. Oh, okay. that would be amazing. I can see the hearts in his eyes from space. <laughs> we haven't mentioned in about an hour how much we want the running grave. So it feels like the time to do it. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Cannot, Cannot give wait. Us the book. Well, thank you, Paula, for joining us for this one. This one was a bit more fun than the last one. We didn't have to deal with Inigo. <laughs> it was fun. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. What are we doing next time, Kens? Next time, we're going to be doing chapters 45 through 47 of part three. Sam is going to be on, so that'll be exciting. Yay! 
I'm excited. And then uh, we see Robin interview Tim Ashcroft, the pedophile. And we see some texting in between Jack and Strike. So that's always Aww. cute. Oh, I can't wait. Adorable. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy what you've heard, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at the SE Files Pod. You can also contact us on our website at thesefilespod.com or email us directly at sefilespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for listening, and we hope to catch you next time for another episode of The Strike in Ellicott Files.